Welcome to the Voices of Young People podcast brought to you by Springtide Research Institute. In each episode, we hear directly from young people as they respond to our research and share about the issues impacting their lives. As sociologists and researchers, we see a new story unfolding for young people, one that moves beyond traditional institutional boundaries and requires careful attention to the inner and outer lives of emerging generations. At the intersection of being and becoming, it's the voices of young people. Hello, welcome back. This is season seven of the Voices of Young People podcast. I'm Marta Abawaji, the head of community engagement. And today's conversation continues our mental health and Gen Z series. We have two awesome young men who are speaking to us today. They come from very different corners of the globe currently because one of them is studying abroad. You'll get to hear a bit more about that. Uh, but I'm so pleased to have Ivan and Sam entering uh, this conversation today. Let's hear from Ivan. Tell us a bit about yourself. Yeah, well, one, you know, thank you so much, Marta, for inviting me on this podcast. And it's a pleasure to speak with uh, you, Marta, and Sam. Um, so hello, everyone. My name is Ivan. I use he, him pronouns. I am 21 years of age. And I am currently living in Buenos Aires, Argentina, where I am studying abroad here in Latin America for the semester. Um, I originally was born in New York City, but raised in El Paso, Texas. And I usually call my home base New York, where I am a junior, double majoring in politics and Spanish and Portuguese with a minor and in social and public policy at NYU. Um, I am a proud Latino and Hispanic, a son of immigrants from the Dominican Republic of Nicaragua, as well as a devout Catholic. And yes, you know, and I think a fun fact about me is I love to travel. And in this month alone, I've been to three countries, um, including Argentina, as well as the countries of Uruguay and Chile. That's a little bit about me. So awesome, Ivan. Something extra cool about Ivan is that he is slated to be an intern uh, with Springtide uh, this coming summer. We're recording this podcast before his internship has begun, but it's been so fun to already be in touch before that begins, especially even as you're studying abroad. So thank you, Ivan. We also have Sam with us today. Sam, tell us where you're at and what you're up to. Hi, uh, I'm Sam, and I'm currently living in Portland, Oregon in the U.S., um, and I'm part of this Jewish gap year program called Tivnu. Um, and so basically I'm living with uh, 16 other peers in two houses in a neighborhood in Portland, and we are doing uh, social justice and direct service internship work during the week and then various Jewish programming and group building um, and educational stuff on the weekends and when we're not working. Um, my family is Ashkenazi Jews from Eastern and Central and Western Europe and um, I am a Jew. I really care about my Jewish practice and what it means to be Jewish in my life. Um, and another interesting thing, I guess I would say about me is that I 
spent a lot of my time in high school uh, playing music and doing climate organizing. And both of those things I try to continue doing now. So Ivan, you shared you are 21. How old are you, Sam? I'm 19. 19. Awesome. That's always helpful for our listeners to know just uh, what stage of life these young people are in. But I'm so impressed with both of you, the breadth of work you're doing, the passions um, that you're integrating into your studies and into this gap year focused on social justice with with other Jewish young people. Sam, I I couldn't be more delighted to have your voices in conversation with Springtide. So let's let's dive into this mental health conversation. I'm curious off the bat, when you hear the phrase mental health, what comes to mind for you? Yeah, I think, you know, at least for me, I think when I think of mental health, I just really think of overall well-being of one's psyche and one's emotional state. I think to have a good mental health is really for one to have the ability to just be and to perceive and experience one's life in the best way possible without any sort of major and inhibitions or barriers. And so for me, you know, when I think of mental health, I think of health and um, something that is deeply important to every single human being. Um, but I'm really interested in, in your perspective, Sam. What, what do you think uh, when you think of mental health? Well, I think you really hit the nail on the head when talking about well-being. I think for me, mental health um, really encompasses well-being particularly emotional well-being but you know we are our whole beings are interconnected so it's not you can't separate you know our emotions from our thoughts from our physical feelings it's i mean we're we're connected beings so um and for me emotional well-being is feeling connected to myself and other people and being present with my emotions and my thoughts and really having the ability to use my mind to think creatively. Um, and I think one of the biggest struggles I see myself and my peers having, um, like our, our big emotional struggles are taking place uh, in, in the isolation of the pandemic with the looming threat of climate catastrophe and the crumbling of our society's institutions I hear that. I hear that. There's definitely some particularities for for your generation of of how the mental health conversation is is arriving. The the presence of it in terms of present uh, concerns, like you named, but also just the presence of. I think the conversation is a lot more available where where previous generations it was brushed aside it was like you don't talk about this Be because mental health is is more prominent now in terms of people doing research um people encouraging mental health to be taken seriously where do you hear messages about mental health um for me a lot of the messages i've got are from friends and you know people giving presentations in school and a lot of that revolved 
around talking about destigmatizing mental health struggles and thinking about coping strategies. Great. Okay. Yeah, uh, I, I think that's exactly right, Sam, at least in my experience. I think that a lot of it has been from school, but I think, you know, fellow peers and fellow young people sort of really emphasizing the need to talk about mental health um, and to really sort of this idea of becoming very transparent in one's emotional well-being and to sort of exemplify whether one is going through a rough patch or not, or whether one is feeling at peace with themselves. And so I really think that most of the messaging that I have sort of received about mental health has sort of came from friends and fellow peers at school, outside of school, and on social media. That's helpful to know. And I think... For me, I've I've had some difficulties with some of the me- messaging around mental health that I've been that I've heard. And I think the two biggest parts that don't really click with the way I experience it is the way that um, where a lot of the language I hear about mental health uh, revolves around talking about disorders and that that categorization doesn't really accurately frame the way I experience my emotions. It's not really, it's not just like I have anxiety or I don't. Mm. Um, I definitely feel scared a lot, but for me, I see that as part of the normal range of human emotions. And I think we should take the normal range of human emotions seriously in the way that people take mental health disorders. And that gives us a shot at supporting ourselves more fully. Oh, that's that's really well said. That we can't just put young people in a box or a camp of like you are experiencing this. Oh, you're not experiencing this. That there's a lot more color and variation, um, and the ways that even you describe your emotions or or your emotional state on a given day. Um, needs to hold those nuances more is, is what I'm hearing from you. I, right. Yeah. I, and, I hope our research, um, is setting up adults to think about that nuance, nuance more. Did you want to say more about that, Sam? Right. Yeah. And the other struggle that I've had with those messages is where I've, I've seen a lot of times where the, the sort of goal that is exemplified for us as young people is coping. And it's hard for me when I feel like the message is that coping is the best we can do because I want to go beyond coping. And I want to, I want to go through healing the hurts that I'm feeling and that I'm experiencing and uh, setting a goal of thriving. Oh man, you're, you're speaking our language so well. The goal of this whole mental health and Gen Z series is to help institutions and organizations and trusted adults create cultures and environments that are more mental health positive. So we aren't only doing responses, which are often crisis responses even. Um, right. So I think what you're saying about coping mechanism and strategies, while that's helpful, that's still only responding. How can we be more proactive to to create environments that are already setting up 
different dynamics um, that don't always need the crisis response or the the coping intervention later on. Um, what yeah. what would it look like to have a more mental health positive space? So yeah, you're right. you're really you're really touching on the the goals of of what our research is is looking to provide and and our reports to be mm-hmm. those actionable places for adults to to cultivate a different environment. So if right. if you were worried about your own mental health or or a friend's mental health, who in your life would you turn to? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, for me, I sort of would really turn to friends um, more often than not. You know, I think that although I sort of am lucky and fortunate to sort of have a lot of, you know, well-intentioned adults in my life, I suddenly feel that there's sort of a disconnect between sort Mm -hmm. of the experiences that I myself as a young person and fellow young people go through that that older sort of people might not be able to understand um and sort of i find that peers my age and friends i'm sort of able to go to them because they sort of welcome other people with an open heart and sort of with this idea of respect and compassion um so i think you know this sort of idea that one can sort of listen without sort of any having without any sort of preconceived notions of judgment or stereotypes is something I think is really valuable. And that's sort of one thing that I really sort of account when I go to someone for mental health or when it comes to getting mental health uh, resources for a friend. Right. Yeah, I really appreciate that. Um, I grew up being taught that it's okay to have my feelings and express them and turning to people I trust to listen to to me. And in that vein, I am part of a peer-to-peer counseling community where we support each other through listening to each other. And this really amazing practice of sharing listening time has made a big impact on my life. Oh, that's a really, really neat example. Yeah, it speaks to what what I've been saying, though, too, that peers are the main place of support. And it's really it's it's taught me that this, you know, that the healing and the thriving that we strive for through like. Have like enabling the fullest of our minds to be to to think is really possible because I've I've been able to um, use the use the the process and the tool of this peer counseling in a really good way in my life. Um, That's tremendous. So friends are, are showing up for, for you and peers are showing up for both of you. But I, I mm-hmm. hear that disconnect that sometimes adults in your life aren't always a safe place for, for mental health concerns. If if um, you ever considered formal support, like a professional who is a therapist w- for yourself or for a friend, is is that something you'd be open to? Is that something you've pursued ever in the past? Um, well, I think I, I feel like I'm actually pretty well, pretty well supported by my peer counseling community. Mm-hmm. And for myself, I haven't really considered professional support like therapy 
but I have friends who have gotten a lot from it. Um, and, 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 and it's interesting to the point about Ivan talking about the disconnect between us and adults. Um, I definitely relate to that. And then on the flip side, um, the peer counseling community I'm part of um, has a range of ages from people even sometimes younger than me to people who are um, elders. And I, I do peer counseling with people all across that age range. So I get the really cool opportunity of, of getting to think about people and be thought about by people with a, a lot of different life experiences and like where they're at in different stages of life, which means that like I can talk about some, certain things with my young people, peer counselors uh, in a better way than the older people but in the same way. Like sometimes there are struggles that I'm going through that uh, appear in this community who's a lot older is able to sort of support me from a position of not necessarily struggling in the same way. And that gives them like a, a leg to stand on and in, in standing with me. Mm, that's, that's really well said in terms of ways that you can lean on people in different seasons and circumstances and be that support um, at different times as well. So so yeah, friends are significant for both of you. I'm hearing, I'm hearing that loud and clear beyond and, and besides that support from friends, are there specific activities that you, you turn to if you're feeling down or you feel like you're struggling in a particular way with, with mental health? Yeah. I mean, I think for me, it's sort of being able to immerse myself in sort of any form of art or culture. So I am a huge mm -hmm. fan of writing. You know, I find that to be sort of a method of sort of catharsis for me, truly, you know, enable what's called to sort of represent my sort of feelings or emotions in a very tangible way. And I think at the same time, you know, even when I'm not sort of, engaging in that sort of medium, engaging in other forms of mediums such as, you know, literature or cinema. For me, they provide amazing spaces to sort of immerse myself in a world that is not my own and to sort of distract my mind and put my mind in a place where it's so not thinking about the negative thoughts I'm, I might be having. You know, I think so one of the scariest parts about mental health is that it's not really observable uh, for most people. Mm, you know, it's not yeah, something that no one can... Exactly, thank you. And I think it's, you know, it's just something that, that's why I think it's so difficult in mental health because truly as clichésism may sound, we just truly never know what's going on in one's eternal state and one's eternal mind and psyche. So I find that um, for me, just being able to immerse myself in a world that's not my own and just distract myself, even for a little bit and to delve into another world, just provides a lot of peace for me because it sort of makes me forget um, about my problems even if, but for a moment and for someone who might be going through a difficult moment in their lives, or that be something really, you know, maybe musical at the moment, such as not doing well on a test, or maybe what's it called, something very macro, such as the loss of a loved one. I think those moments of rest are just critical for one's well-being. 
Yeah. Rest through the uh, arts. I, I love that. What, right. what about you, Sam? I, well, I, it's, it's really cool to hear um, that your, your connection to art um, in terms of supporting that. And I feel like I, I really can relate to that in from, from a, a different angle at art. Um, music is a really important part of my life in a lot of ways from just like playing and listening to music as part of my everyday life um, to connecting to my spirituality. And one of the biggest ways I'm connected to that is grounding myself through Jewish music. Um, so I, I lead music during a lot of the rituals in our program. And I think it's a really awesome way to bring us together. Uh, I heard some research that talked about that actually the um, experience of singing together with other people like brings like hormone like bring like brings the basically it like stimulates the same brain chemicals that you get when you're having a long cuddle um oh that's cool i feel like i've heard something akin to that but that is a really cool cool research to 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 say this is this is a way when we're in community and and voices in tandem that it can set off uh, certain brain patterns that, that mirror other ways that people might receive comfort. Right. And, and I think it's particularly significant after the physical separation that I've been going mm -hmm. through, you know, before, before this year. Just a quick break to give a shout out. Springtide is able to offer this podcast because of donors who make our research and actionable insights possible. Damaris, a youth minister, wrote to us saying, at the end of each year, we evaluate if and how we met the needs of our young people. The research from Springtide has made an incredible impression on this evaluation process. Their eye-opening research has affirmed things we have done, and it has shaken other things up. You can see more of our current findings on our website, springtideresearch.org, where you can also make your own tax-deductible donation with a variety of giving options. Now, back to the episode. Our research throughout this series um, is really trying to set up ways that organizations can, can better support young people's mental health. And we have three driving themes that are showing up throughout our research. Those are connections, expectations, and purpose. So you, you both have already illustrated a sense of connection being really significant for your mental health, connection to art sometimes, sometimes connection to something bigger than yourself. Um, but I'm wondering also connections to, to people. Who, who do you feel like in different communities you're a part of um, or someone that you can trust to talk to about mental health? Mm, well, I'm really curious about this one for you, Ivan, given that you are at college and I'm on my way to college next year. So... 
Yeah, I'm yeah. really interested. Yeah, of course. It's like, oh, yeah, I'm interested to hear about, you know, you. Um, but I would say, you know, for me, um, I am very lucky because I find that there's a lot of professors who, that I can sort of go to, um, to sort of, you know, just talk about anything about what's called to be my classes or, you know, things that might be going on in my life. And I think that, you know, I'm very glad because I think here at NYU, um, sort of professors are sort of really well equipped and trained to sort of know about all the different resources. Um, so although, you know, of course, you know, professors are human and not sort of the be all end all or professional counselors, uh, they at the very least will, you know, if they see something that's really going on with a student, will connect other people, which I think is great. I think a lot of universities are really um, trying to listen to students because a lot of students are sort of, um, and young people are just really sort of emphasizing the need for mental health. But how, how about you, Sam? Because, you know, I know you're in, you know, sort of very non-traditional, what's it called, uh, you know, part of your Gap life. Right program. Yes. Right. Well, um, I guess keep keeping in uh, the same the same line that I've I've already been talking about. Uh, one of the coolest things is uh, I've gotten to share my peer counseling practice with some of my friends here at Tivnu, and um, it's 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 really been honestly a revelation to get to do this practice that means a lot for me with my friends, which is actually a new thing for me. I had not done that much in high school and I've noticed what a really big positive impact it's had on me and my friends who I've done it with. Um, and an another example of that, of, of the question that you were asking is I recently, uh, a few weeks ago, actually, I was uh, working a particularly long day at the farm and I got home and it was already dark and I was exhausted, but I just, I just didn't really have much left in, in the tank. And I was just like, okay, how in the world do I get myself food, pack myself a lunch and then go back to the farm less than 12 hours after I left. And, you know, I was collapsed on the couch and my friend, one of my friends was like, Hey Sam, you haven't taken a day off in a long time. Looks like you need one. And it took a little bit of cajoling for him to kind of convince me that I needed a day off, but he was really right. And, uh, it was, it was a really, really special opportunity to like get to see my friends, like pinpoint what they saw going on for me and push me to do what they thought made sense for me, which was what ended up making sense for me. I love that, that people are looking out for one another like that. That actually really ties in with our, our expectations uh, theme throughout our mental health research, because there's expectations on young people's time that doesn't always encourage rest. Um, you know, you can be packing so much in, even when it's really meaningful work that you, you believe in. But if you're not taking that 
that pause or that respite, it's, it's hard to, to maintain, even when you are passionate about the work you're engaging. So I love that you have, have people looking out for you, um, who say, Hey, (laughs) you, you can't keep going at full speed all the time. Um, and just making an expectation of rest, even (laughs) instead of the expectation only being Excel, Excel or drive or contribute, give, share, whatever the the offering is. I, I'm wondering if we can dive into the idea of purpose a little bit. And I'm curious about purpose in the sense of if you feel like connecting to something bigger than yourself, whether that's gives you a sense of purpose through community, through faith that you both have mentioned, through you know, um, a cause, a movement, a higher power. What, what about connecting to something bigger also impacts your mental health? Does it impact your mental health and, and how? Yeah. So I, you know, sort of want to stem um, for you, from what you were sort of speaking about, Sam, about this idea of faith and community. You know, I think that for me, it's sort of one in the same um, in a sort of a lot of different mm-hmm. ways, because I think that, you know, I, um, in Catholicism, as well as in, you know, sort of the Torah, there's this really sort of amazing notion of that it's actually not good to be alone. Um, that, you know, sort of mm-hmm. in, you know, sort of the Bible and sort of the creation stories sort or of the central, one of the central messages is that there were people and animals, you know, for uh, Adam and Eve. And so, you know, of course, you know, that I think that's one of the uh, messages that should really be emphasized more in sort of in that story. And I think that, you know, for me, I find that my faith in Catholicism has sort of given me answers to sort of the existential questions that I, as a young person, face sort of on a daily basis, to be 100% honest. And I, you know, I'm a huge fan of St. Augustine, St. Augustine of Hippo. And, you know, he is an amazing figure for a lot of reasons for me. And he has this quote where he says, you know, our hearts are restless until they rest in you, oh God. And he sort of this, he sort of has emphasized this idea of grace and this idea that you sort of can ask God for peace and he'll give it to you. And he did for me. And so I think that, you know, especially prayer, you know, I think that prayer is something that's very often misunderstood. You know, um, I'm a huge fan of the Danish right. philosopher, right? I'm a huge fan of the Danish philosopher, uh, Soren Kierkegaard, um, who, you know, mentioned how prayer doesn't actually change God, but it does change the person who's praying. And I found that it allows me to sort of have an opportunity to just stop, to rest, and to not sort of worry about what's going on internally in my mind and being able to sort of connect with young Catholics sort of in the world, especially through a lot of publications like America Magazine or Commonweal Magazine um, is sort of amazing in that regard. So I definitely think that my faith and this community, both when it be at my local parish, I'll rather be something sort of macro, uh, has sort of been something that has tremendously helped uh, my mental health and has kept it um, afloat. But I really wonder what what about you, um, Sam? Um, I really liked the quote that you were saying about prayer changing the person. I think that's really relevant for me as 
like my my Jewish spirituality is not necessarily rooted in a belief in a sort of animate God, but in the sort of a an acknowledgement and a, a a drive to lean into the beauty and the power of the oneness of all that is and all that isn't. And um, I also just know that um, like, and for me, it, I've, I've gotten to embrace, you know, prayer through music, especially. And, you know, even though a lot of the words are talking, you know, to or about like a sort of, concrete higher power like even if that is not what i'm particularly like most in tune with the experience of of doing it still makes a difference for me um and then the and in another vein of getting being connected to something beyond myself i think um just getting to do things that i care about with people i care about makes me feel connected uh, just a few days ago, I got to join my first ever bluegrass jam session. And that was one of the most joyful things I've done um, recently. And it was just like getting to meet these new, these guys who were just, you know, sitting at the local book, uh, sitting playing at the local book pub. And they're like, hey, you want to play with us? And so that was, that was really terrific. Um, in the same way I feel connected and grounded when I've been, when I've done climate organizing with uh, fellow young people and just getting to be part of a Jewish community that again, what you were saying about community being like the foundation of religion and spirituality and that that doesn't need to take a back seat to something else. Like that's the center. That's the center of it. Definitely agree. I love these examples from both of you and, and the ways that community comes in different layers, um, whether those are tight knit circles um, or whether it's it's broader understandings of where you find yourself in the world and, and the ways you've you've brought that to bear on your own mental well-being and finding places of, of deep joy and connection is so significant. I am curious, as we wrap up our conversation, if you were doing an interview where the tables were turned and you were, were asking a young person about mental health, what question would you ask them that maybe didn't come up today? Yeah, that's a hard one. And I think my inspiration sort of comes from you, Sam, because, you know, you sort of mentioned a lot of how important community and connections sort of are to sort of one's well-being and I of course totally agree with that yeah. so and I think that's sort of interesting um that both of sort of our experiences sort of align in that way um so I would you know probably ask someone you know how does one's environment sort of affect one's perception on mental health um because I think sort of what's it called a lot of times it can be sort of very confusing for young people why we're feeling the things we are. You know, it could be sort of 
um, existential angst and nihilism, um, especially among, you know, people like me and people like you, some young men, um, sort of can be what's it called in a geographical location where one doesn't feel welcome with a specific identity. So that's something I would sort of be interested in asking is how does one's right. environment um, affect one's mental health? Mm-hmm. That's helpful. Yeah. Well, for one of the core understandings that I've had that's made a big difference in the way that I've tackled um, my my mental health uh, is really along the lines of what Ivan said is like, you know, the conditions of the broader society play a huge role in the way we the way we feel and you know in in that vein i guess the question i would ask would just be how would you like conditions in your society to change yeah that's a good one because i think so much of our sort of mental health problems stem from society and sort of things that are fixable you know i think you sort of mentioned that one thing i'm sort of admired by sort of your activism and how i think a lot of our sort of mental health problems as young people comes from policies you know regarding climate change sort of regarding um you know social rights when it comes to anti-racism and you know um pro-labor rights and things of that nature so that i think that's right. an amazing question that i would be really interested in learning about more. I want to thank both of you for your time today, because you've brought so many examples from, from your own life, um, from your own faith identities, from your own sense of uh, community in the world and the ways that your own identities um, are, are really held with a lot of, of promise and hope about the, the paths you're each pursuing in your academic and philanthropic lives. I am really delighted that Springtide could host this. Thank you again. Thank, thank you so you much for having me. It was a pleasure. Yeah, thank you as well for having us. Visit springtideresearch.org to hear more voices of young people and to learn about the latest research and resources available in our mental health and Gen Z series. Springtide Research Institute is supported by donors who believe in the critical research and insight generating work we do on behalf of young people. Make your own tax deductible donation with a variety of giving options on our website today. Be sure to follow us on social media at We Are Springtide and interact with the resources in the Springtide series on mental health by using the hashtag mental health and Gen Z. Today's show was produced by Marta Abowaji. The audio was mixed by Andy Palmer with original music created by high school student Christian Unthink. Special thanks to the 16 guests featured in season seven and to all the young people whose perspectives and insights make our research possible. Thank you for listening.